Well, a cardia, Shaw, Jerry Adams, a Rishon, Augusta Silagum, Goel Shivsha, Gomoy. We, we accompanied our friend Shane McGowan back to Nina on Friday. And there was a, a huge uh, turnout of friends and family and admirers, both in Nina and then at the cremation the day afterwards on Saturday, yesterday. And Shane was a, a friend of West Belfast. Back in 1988, in the wake of the killings of IRA volunteers Maria Farrell, Don McCann and Sean Savage in Gibraltar, and the killing of other citizens at their funerals, and the killing also of IRA volunteer Kevin McCracken in Turf Lodge, our community was subjected to a vicious, full frontal tsunami of vilification on the back of decades of demonization and discrimination. And one of our responses to this, in, this onslaught was the establishment of Fela and Fubble to provide a platform for the hosts of local writers and poets, singers, musicians, actors, playwrights, dancers, artists, sports people, and many, many, many other positive local creative folks. And we also invited others from outside West Belfast to join us, and many did. Household names from across the arts community in Ireland and abroad. And they included Shane McGowan and the Pogues. In those days, the big failed gigs were in Springhill. And there was no community more suited to host such events than now entered into our local folklore and uh, myths. And Springhill was wonderful, still is, but just in terms of the madness of the, the time. Shane came from one session instead for days, and he came back, Arish, August Arish, August Arish Ella. And it's hardly surprising that this was so. Shame was a poet of the dispossessed and the downtrodden. The Pogues, with their electric, raucous mix of punk and Irish traditional cue, were musically one of the best bands going, and we were blessed to have them. Despite his public persona, Shane was a shy and modest man. He was very intelligent, very well-read and well-versed in Irish history. He was also an unrepentant Irish Republican, proud of Tipperary's fight for freedom and his family's rebel politics. He easily identified with the risen people of the North. He once told me and Martin McGuinness to tell Tony Blair that he said, Chucky Arla. He instinctively sided with the underdog. Many of his great songs reflect our difficulties as well as our resilience. From a rainy night in Soho, the sixth bed of Cohollan, the old main drag, streets of shame about the Birmingham Six, banned by the BBC, our fairy tale of New York, a pair of brown eyes, Sally McNallan, 
the broad, majestic Shannon, and many, many more. Shane gave voice to and shone a lyrical light on the plight of the poor and the exiles. He also deepened our Irishness and our humanity. I last saw him not long before he died, him and Victoria Mary, just when he got out of hospital after a six-month stay. He was bright and smiling, glad to be home. When we parted, I knew it would be our last get-together. My condolences to his wife, Victoria Mary Clark, to his father Morris and sister Siobhan, and all his families, and to all who played music with Shane, his friends and fellow travellers. He was a one-off, a modest, humble genius. Thank you, my friend, Slan Shane. Sinn Féin's Conley House in Andersonstown is now to close. A new constituency office has been opened for Arlea Flynn, MLA, in a row of shops just below Casement Park and opposite the White Ford on the Andytown Road. Sinn Féin bought the Conley House buildings, building in 1983, following our success in the Assembly election the previous year. And a large meeting of activists was held in the old Martin Forsyth Club in Turf Lodge to discuss what we might name it. That's how Conley House got its name. I'm sorry we didn't go for the Irish version. And I recall Sean McWill, a wonderful pioneer and outstanding Gilgore, rightly reprimanding me for that. Incidentally, La Breha Honadet, Sean. Sean is now 90. The new office soon became the election headquarters for the June 1983 Westminster election when I was first elected as MP for West Belfast. In the 40 years since then, it has been at the heart of Republican politics and activism in Belfast. It has provided an invaluable public service to the many thousands of citizens who have called there. It's also been a target for loyalist British Army and RUC attacks, as well as from some so-called dissident Republicans and criminals. In August 1984, the annual Sinn Féin march ended at Conley House. The British government had banned Norriot spokesperson Martin Gallup from entering the North to speak at this gig. When he appeared on the platform, a large force of RUC in full riot gear attacked the crowd, smashing their way into Conley House, firing plastic bullets and assaulting anyone who got in their way. But Martin Galvin was nowhere to be found. Outside on the pavement, John Downs lay dead. He had been struck at point-blank range by a plastic bullet fired into his chest by an RUC officer. In February 1994, the UDA planted one of their scores of South African imported fragmentation hand grenades at Conley House. The grenade was part of the weapons shipment brought into the north by the UDA the UVF and ultra-resistance with the active collusion of British intelligence. The grenade was tied to bushes and a tripwire placed across the path leading to the front door of Conley House. Thankfully, it was spotted. A few days later, the UDA returned and fired an RPG rocket into the building. The IUC arrested Joe Austin when he arrived on the scene. And a week later, the UDA returned and shot and wounded three men 
carrying out repairs to the building. Seven months later, on the 31st of August, the IRA announced the complete cessation of military operations. In the immediate hours after that statement, Martin McGuinness and I, along with other senior Sinn Féin leaders, Pat Doherty and Barbara De Bruyne, arrived at Connolly House for an impromptu rally. I praised the IRA leadership for its bold and decisive initiative. The crowd was enthusiastic. Many of them were friends and activists I'd known for many, many years. I remember saying, the freedom struggle is not over. We are in a new era of struggle. There is a role for everyone in this new situation. We must develop an irreversible momentum for change, which will move the British government away from the failed policies of the past. The event had one unexpected side effect. Sky Television, which decided to carry it live, had to use actors' voices for Martin McGuinness and myself because of the British government's broadcast restrictions. But Pat Doherty and Barbara de Boone were broadcast using their own voices. Perhaps they ran out of actors. In September 2004, a large, sophisticated, electric, electronic listening device belonging to MI5 was found attached to the rafters inside the ceiling of the front office in Conley House. At that time, the office was used as a conference room for meetings. It was there that we met, for example, the Irish-American delegation in 1994, known to us as the Conley House Group, who played a key role in creating the conditions for the IRA cessation of that year. That September, all the parties were invited to Leeds Castle in England for talks. The Sinn Féin delegation publicly carried the device, the listening device, with us through the media as we walked into the castle. Later, Martin McGuinness and I presented it to Tony Blair. He walked over to it, looked at it, and then turning to us, whispered, Is it still on? These are just a few of the many stories that could be told about Conley House. Many others will have their own stories to tell. For me, I just want to thank all those Republican activists who over four decades and under threat worked tirelessly in Connolly House to provide a first-class constituency service. Some stalwarts were there for all of that time. Well done, Aharja and Guru Mila Moy Ogov. Meanwhile, Israel's genocidal campaign against the Palestinian people recommenced the deliberate murder of Palestinian civilians and the industrial-scale destruction of Palestinian homes, schools, hospitals and refugee camps is about the expulsion of the Palestinian people from Gaza. The pogroms against Palestinian communities in East Jerusalem and the West Bank have the same aim. The EU, Britain and the USA hide behind the assertions that Israel has the right to defend itself, that they still seek a two-state solution. But if Israeli governments have their way, if this government in particular has its way, and it appears likely, there will be no Gaza, just a graveyard for women and children. The immediate humanitarian demands remain for a permanent ceasefire, for the withdrawal of Israeli forces from Gaza, and the West Bank, and for aid.
It's a demand that must be made of these states that are currently empowering the Israeli government. They cannot cry crocodile tears over the deaths of Palestinian babies while providing the Zionists with munitions or surveillance support. And meanwhile, back in our own place, it's time again to say to the DUP to take up their position as they're mandated to do in the Assembly and in the Executive of the North. There may be uh, internal uh, satisfaction within the DUP, who knows, with the way the party is behaving, but it's not fulfilling its responsibilities to citizens here in this part of the island. It's time that it did. Slana Karja, Chief Mehu, August Lakunabje, Gumay Shibsha, Slan, Gujishan, Tor Ira.